0: Another week, another episode of Another World Audiobooks as we carry on through the return of Tarzan. Don't forget, if you forgot what happened in the first book, you can go back and listen to it. I actually put the links really handy in the show notes where you can check out the first episode of the first Tarzan book, and I also put the link in there where you can actually go and buy the full audiobook and support the podcast. Or, this is the third option, (laughs) there's all kinds of options. You can go to anotherworldaudiobooks.com, and there's a, a button there that says Free Audiobook, and if you click that, you can select Uh, the Tarzan, the first Tarzan book as the free audiobook that you would like to get and I will send that to you for free just as a thank you for being a listener to the podcast. I really am so grateful for every single one of you who listens uh, and every single one of you who shares the podcast. That is really one of the biggest things besides listening (laughs) is just telling other people about the podcast. Like we've talked about before discovering podcasts can be kind of hard so any help that I can get in just getting the word out there and helping more people learn about the podcast is so helpful. For. So now, without further ado, I give you the next chapter of The Return of Tarzan. Chapter 6 A Duel De Arnot was asleep when Tarzan entered their apartments after leaving Rokos. Tarzan did not disturb him, but the following morning he narrated the happenings of the previous evening, omitting not a single detail. What a fool I have been. He concluded. "Decoud and his wife were both my friends. How could I have ruined their friendship? Barely did I escape murdering the Count. I have cast a stigma on the name of a good woman. It is very probable that I have broken up a happy home. Do you love Olga Decoud?" Asked Deonotte. Were I not positive that she does not love me, I could not answer your question, Paul. But without disloyalty to her, I tell you that I do not love her. Nor does she love me. For an instant, we were the victims of a sudden madness. It was not love, and it would have left us unharmed, as suddenly as it had come upon us, even though Decoud had not returned. As you know, I have little experience with women. Olga Decoud is very beautiful. That, and the dim light and seductive surroundings, and the appeal of the defenseless for protection, might have been resisted by a more civilized man but my civilization is not even skin deep. It does not go deeper than my clothes. Paris is no place for me. I will but continue to stumble into more and more serious pitfalls. The man-made restrictions are irksome. I feel always that I am a prisoner. I cannot endure it, my friend, and so I think that I shall go back to my own jungle and lead the life that God intended that I should lead when he put me there. Do not take it so to heart, Jean, responded Not. You have acquitted yourself much better than most civilized men would have under similar circumstances. As to leaving Paris at this time, I rather think that Raoul Decoud may be expected to have something to say on that subject before long. Nor was not mistaken. A week later on, Monsieur Flaubert was announced about eleven in the morning, as D'Arnault and Tarzan were breakfasting. Monsieur Flaubert was an impressively polite gentleman. With many low bows, he delivered Monsieur le Count de Coud's challenge to Monsieur Tarzan. Would Monsieur be so very kind as to arrange to have a friend meet Monsieur Flaubert at as early an hour as convenient that the details might be arranged to the mutual satisfaction of all concerned? Certainly. Monsieur Tarzan would be delighted to place his interests unreservedly in the hands of his friend, Lieutenant d'Arnault and so it was arranged that D'Arnaud was to call on Monsieur Flaubert at two that afternoon, and the polite Monsieur Flaubert, with many bows, left them. When they were again alone, D'Arnaud looked quizzically at Tarzan. "'Well?' he asked. "'Now to my sins I must add murder, or else myself be killed,' said Tarzan. "'I am progressing rapidly in the ways of my civilized brothers.' "'What weapon shall you select?' asked Daunaut. De Crude is accredited with being a master with his sword, and a splendid shot. I might then choose poisoned arrows at twenty paces, or spears at the same distance, laughed Tarzan. Make it pistols, Paul. He will kill you, Jean. I have no doubt of it, replied Tarzan. I must die some day. We had better make it swords, said Desornot. He will be satisfied with wounding you, and there is less danger of a mortal wound. Pistols, said Tarzan with finality. Deonot tried to argue him out of it, but without avail. So pistols it was. Deonot returned from his conference with Monsieur Flaubert shortly after four. It is all arranged, he said. Everything is satisfactory. Tomorrow morning at daylight... There is a secluded spot on the road not far from Etampes. For some personal reason, Monsieur Flabert preferred it. I did not demur. Good, was Tarzan's only comment. He did not refer to the matter again, even indirectly. That night, he wrote several letters before he retired. After sealing and addressing them, he placed them all in an envelope addressed to Deonaut. As he undressed, Deonaut heard him humming a music-hall ditty. The Frenchman swore under his breath. He was very unhappy, for he was positive that when the sun rose the next morning it would look down upon a dead Tarzan. It grated upon him to see Tarzan so unconcerned. This is a most uncivilized hour for people to kill each other, remarked the ape-man when he had been routed out of a comfortable bed in the blackness of the early morning hours. He had slept well, and so it seemed that his head scarcely touched the pillow ere his man deferentially aroused him. His remark was addressed to Dayanot, who stood fully dressed in the doorway of Tarzan's bedroom. Dayanot had scarcely slept at all during the night. He was nervous, and therefore inclined to be irritable. "'I presume you slept like a baby all night,' he said. Tarzan laughed. "'From your tone, Paul, I infer that you rather harbor the fact against me. I could not help it, really.' "'No, Jean, it is not that!' replied Deonotte, himself smiling. "'But you take the entire matter with such infernal indifference. It is exasperating. One would think that you are going out to shoot at a target rather than to face one of the best shots in France.' Tarzan shrugged his shoulders. "'I'm going out to expiate a great wrong, Paul. A very necessary feature of the expiation is the marksmanship of my opponent. Wherefore, then, should I be dissatisfied? Have you not yourself told me that Count Decoud is a splendid marksman?' you mean that you hope to be killed?' exclaimed Deonot in horror. "'I cannot say that I hope to be, "'but you must admit that there is little reason to believe that I shall not be killed. "'Had Deonot known the thing that was in the ape-man's mind, "'that had been in his mind, "'almost from the first intimation that Decoud would call him to account "'on the field of honour, "'he would have been more horrified than he was. "'In silence they entered Deonot's great car, "'and in similar silence "'they sped over the dim road that leads to Etamp. "'Each man was occupied with his own thoughts. "'Deanots were very mournful, for he was genuinely fond of Tarzan. "'The great friendship which had sprung up between these two men "'whose lives and training had been so widely different "'had but been strengthened by association, "'for they were both men to whom the same high ideals of manhood, "'of personal courage, and of honour appealed with equal force.' they could understand one another, and each could be proud of the friendship of the other. Tarzan of the Apes was wrapped in thoughts of the past, pleasant memories of the happier occasions of his lost jungle life. He recalled the countless boyhood hours that he had spent cross-legged upon the table in his dead father's cabin, his little brown body bent over one of the fascinating picture-books from which, unaided, he had gleaned the secret of the printed language "'long before the sounds of human speech fell upon his ears. "'A smile of contentment softened his strong face "'as he thought of that day of days "'that he had had alone with Jane Porter "'in the heart of his primeval forest. "'Presently his reminiscences were broken in upon "'by the stopping of the car. "'They were at their destination. "'Tarzan's mind returned to the affairs of the moment. "'He knew that he was about to die, "'but there was no fear of death in him.' To a denizen of the cruel jungle, death is a commonplace. The first law of nature compels them to cling tenaciously to life, to fight for it, but it does not teach them to fear death. D'Arnaud and Tarzan were first upon the field of honor. A moment later, Decoud, Monsieur Flaubert, and a third gentleman arrived. Balas was introduced to D'Arnaud and Tarzan. He was a physician. D'Arnot and Monsieur Flaubert spoke together in whispers for a brief time. The Count de Coud and Tarzan stood apart at opposite sides of the field. Presently, the seconds summoned them. Dernot and Monsieur Flaubert had examined both pistols. The two men who were to face each other a moment later stood silently while Monsieur Flaubert recited the conditions they were to observe. They were to stand back to back at a signal from Monsieur Flaubert. They were to walk in opposite directions, their pistols hanging by their sides. When they had proceeded ten paces, D'Arnaud was to give the final signal. Then they were to turn and fire at will until one fell, or each had expended the three shots allowed. While Monsieur Flaubert spoke, Tarzan selected a cigarette from his case and lighted it. Découd was a personification of coolness. Was he not the best shot in France? Presently, Monsieur Flaubert nodded to Déonot, and each man placed his principal in position. "'Are you quite ready, gentlemen?' asked Monsieur Flaubert. "'Quite,' replied Découd. Tarzan nodded. Monsieur Flaubert gave the signal. He and Déonot stepped back a few paces to be out of the line of fire as the men paced slowly apart. Six, seven, eight. There were tears in Déonot's eyes he loved tarzan very much nine another pace and the poor lieutenant gave the signal he so hated to give to him it sounded the doom of his best friend quickly decoud wheeled and fired tarzan gave a little start his pistol still dangled at his side decoud hesitated as though waiting to see his antagonist crumple to the ground the frenchman was too experienced a marksman not to know that he had scored a hit Still, Tarzan made no move to raise his pistol. Decoud fired once more, but the attitude of the ape-man, the utter indifference that was so apparent in every line of the nonchalant ease of the giant figure, and the even unruffled puffing of his cigarette, had disconcerted the best marksman in France. This time, Tarzan did not start, but again Decoud knew that he had hit. Suddenly, the explanation leaped to his mind— his antagonist was coolly taking these terrible chances in the hope that he would receive no staggering wound from any of Decoud's three shots. Then he would take his own time about shooting Decoud down deliberately, coolly, and in cold blood. A little shiver ran up the Frenchman's spine. It was fiendish, diabolical. What manner of creature was this that could stand complacently with two bullets in him, waiting for the third? And so Decoud took careful aim this time, but his nerve was gone. And he made a clean miss. not once had Tarzan raised his pistol hand from where it hung beside his leg. For a moment, the two stood looking straight into each other's eyes. On Tarzan's face was a pathetic expression of disappointment on decoud's a rapidly growing expression of horror, yes, of terror. he could endure it no longer. Monsieur oh God, Monsieur shoot he screamed, but Tarzan did not raise his pistol. Instead, he advanced towards Decoud, and when Deonotte and Monsieur Flaubert, misinterpreting his intention, would have rushed between them, he raised his left hand in a sign of remonstrance. "'Do not fear,' he said to them. "'I shall not harm him.' It was most unusual, but they halted. Tarzan advanced until he was quite close to Decoud. "'There must have been something wrong with Monsieur's pistol,' he said. "'Or Monsieur is unstrung. Take mine, Monsieur.' And try again, and Tarzan offered his pistol, but foremost to the astonished Decoud. Mon oh, Dieu, Monsieur! cried the latter. Are you mad? No, my friend," replied the ape man. "But I deserve to die. It is the only way in which I may atone for the wrong I have done a very good woman. Take my pistol and do as I bid. It would be murder," <laughs> replied Decoud. "But what wrong did you do my wife?" She swore to me that— I do not mean that, said Tarzan quickly. You saw all the wrong that passed between us, but that was enough to cast a shadow upon her name and to ruin the happiness of a man against whom I have no enmity. The fault was all mine, and so I hope to die for it this morning. I am disappointed that Monsieur is not so wonderful a marksman as I have been led to believe. You say that the fault was all yours? asked Decoud eagerly. All mine, monsieur. Your wife is a very pure woman. She loves only you. The fault that you saw was all mine. The thing that brought me there was no fault of either Countess Decoud or myself. Here is a paper that will quite positively demonstrate that. And Tarzan drew from his pocket the statement Rokoff had written and signed. Decoud took it and read, D'Arnot and Monsieur Flaubert had drawn near. They were interested spectators of this strange ending of a strange duel. None spoke until Decoud had quite finished. Then he looked up at Tarzan. You are a very brave and chivalrous gentleman, he said. I thank God that I did not kill you. Decoud was a Frenchman. Frenchmen are impulsive. He threw his arms about Tarzan and embraced him. Monsieur Flaubert embraced not. There was no one to embrace the doctor. So possibly it was Pique which prompted him to interfere and demand that he be permitted to dress Tarzan's wounds. This gentleman was hit once at least, he said. Possibly thrice. Twice, said Tarzan. Once in the left shoulder and again in the left side. Both flesh wounds, I think. But the doctor insisted upon stretching him upon the sward and tinkering with him until the wounds were cleansed and the flow of blood checked. One result of the duel was that they all rode back to Paris together in Dayonot's car, the best of friends. Decoud was so relieved to have had this double assurance of his wife's loyalty that he felt no rancor at all toward Tarzan. It is true that the latter had assumed much more of the fault than was rightly his, but if he lied a little he may be excused, for he lied in the service of a woman, and he lied like a gentleman. The ape-man was confined to his bed for several days, he felt that it was foolish and unnecessary, but the doctor and Deonot took the matter so to heart that he gave in to please them, though it made him laugh to think of it. It is droll, he said to Not, to lie abed bed because of a pinprick. Why, right when Bolgani, the great gorilla, tore me almost to pieces while I was still but a little boy, did I have a nice soft bed to lie in? No, only the damp, rotting vegetation of the jungle. Hidden beneath some friendly bush I lay for days and weeks with only collar to nurse me poor faithful Kala, who kept the insects from my wounds and warded off the beasts of prey. When I called for water, she brought it to me in her own mouth, the only way she knew to carry it. There was no sterilized gauze, there was no antiseptic bandage, there was nothing that would not have driven our dear doctor mad to have seen. Yet I recovered, recovered to lie in bed because of a tiny scratch that one of the jungle folk would scarce realize unless it were upon the end of his nose. But the time was soon over, and before he realized it, Tarzan found himself abroad again. Several times Decoud had called, and when he found that Tarzan was anxious for employment of some nature, he promised to see what could be done to find a berth for him. It was the first day that Tarzan was permitted to go out that he received a message from Decoud requesting him to call at the Count's office that afternoon. He found Decoud awaiting him with a very pleasant welcome and a sincere congratulation that he was once more upon his feet. Neither had ever mentioned the duel or the cause of it since that morning upon the field of honour. "'I think that I have found just a thing for you, Monsieur Tarzan,' said the Count. "'It is a position of much trust and responsibility, which requires considerable physical courage and prowess. I cannot imagine a man better fitted than you, my dear Monsieur Tarzan, for this very position. It will necessitate travel, and later it may lead to a very much better post.' possibly in the diplomatic service. At first, for a short time only, you will be a special agent in the service of the Ministry of War. Come, I will take you to the gentleman who will be your chief. He can explain the duties better than I, and then you will be in a position to judge if you wish to accept or no. Decoud himself escorted Tarzan to the office of General Roche, the chief of the bureau to which Tarzan would be attached if he accepted the position. There the count left him, after a glowing description to the general of the many attributes possessed by the ape-man which would fit him for the work of the service. An hour later, Tarzan walked out of the office, the possessor of the first position he had ever held. On the morrow, he was to return for further instructions, though General Roche had made it quite plain that Tarzan might prepare to leave Paris for an almost indefinite period, possibly on the morrow. It was with feelings of the keenest elation that he hastened home to bear the good news to Deonot. At last, he was to be of some value in the world. He was to earn money, and best of all, to travel to see the world. He could scarcely wait to get well inside Deonot's sitting-room before he burst out with the glad tidings. Deonot was not pleased. "'It seems to delight you to think that you should leave Paris, and that we should not see each other for months, perhaps.' Tarzan, you are a most ungrateful beast, and not laughed. No, Paul, I am a little child, I have a new toy, and I am tickled to death. And so it came that, on the following day, Tarzan left Paris en route for Marseille and Oran. man can you imagine taking two bullets and just kind of flinching a little bit (laughs) oh man tarzan is one tough cookie i'll tell you what all right, guys. I hope you're enjoying the book so far. Uh, if you are, I would love to hear from you. Uh, sometimes it gets a little lonely here in, in podcast production land. So, if you uh, would like to, just you know, let me know your thoughts. So are you liking the book? Are you hating the book? You know, which book is your favorite? I, I just anything, everything. Just you know, post it on social media. Tag me in it. Um, all the links are in the show notes. You can just click on that and. Yeah, just give me some feedback here. I would love to hear from you, and also reviews. Um, and I'm I'm offering you know free audiobooks all over the place. So, but if uh, another way to get a free audiobook that would be very easy for you is to leave a review on whatever podcast app you listen to the the podcast on, and then uh, just send me a screenshot of that review. Because uh, a lot of times I don't get like notified or anything like that when somebody leaves a review. So if you don't tell me that you leave left a review, I'll, I probably will not know. Um, so let me know if you have left a review, and I will be sure to give you a nice shout out on social media. Probably send you a free audiobook or two. You never know. You never know. So get in touch with me. Let me know what you think of the podcast. And uh, yeah, hope you guys are enjoying this so far. I, I love doing this. It is so much fun. Uh, getting to narrate these these awesome stories and share them with you. So hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do, and uh, yeah, we will catch you here next week. When I was in school, I absolutely hated writing. It wasn't until I was a bit older that I came to understand the power of words. If you're a business owner, you understand that power too. A business blog, when done right, can drive sales, increase revenue, and get you more customers. But as a business owner, you probably don't have the time to do all that writing. Plus, if you're not a copywriter by trade, you might feel like you're just kind of throwing words out there and they're not actually accomplishing anything. The good news is, there's a simple solution. Check it out. I call it the ultimate blog post checklist for businesses with online stores. This checklist will allow you to write better, more effective articles that convert readers into buyers. It's full of easy-to-follow examples to get your creativity flowing based on experience of nearly a million words written. And best of all, it's effective on any type of article in any industry or niche. I've successfully used this exact checklist on topics from pool table reviews to investment advice. Tired of spending tons of time writing stuff that doesn't convert? This checklist will change that by giving you highly effective blog posts and articles that transform readers into paying customers. Go to Invicta.enterprises slash free checklist and start saving time and transforming your writing now. That's Invicta.enterprises slash free checklist.